0: I'm Rev. J. Stewart Glover, and you are listening to Faith Talk. Today, as a special guest, we have Gina Rokowski. Gina, as she draws on her 20 years in recovery, coupled with her years of teaching experience and leading workshops on social-emotional learning, Gina helps abuse survivors overcome the the life-altering impacts of abuse and discover hope and joy by teaching them how to, to nurture a relationship with God and themselves. So, Gina, could you kind of introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Sure. Uh-huh. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Gina Rolkowski. And uh, I want to thank you, Ron Glover, for having me today. And as you shared, I'm a Christian trauma coach, and I help women overcome you know, anxiety, shame, fear, and pain. From child to child by teaching them, bringing them biblically based life skills and how to nurture an unconditionally loving relationship with God.
0: Amen. So, can you tell us a little bit about your life experience that led you to this um, vocation?
1: Yes. Well, believe it or not, it wasn't it wasn't my choice. You know, God works in very strange ways, and He had His own plan, which is I've come to learn is always best to submit to. <laughs> um, but I'm I was. I, I am a child. I am a childhood sexual trauma survivor. I suffered probably most of my upbringing into my late teens uh, being sexually abused, and it unfortunately, you know, what happened was the trauma was so bad for me that I didn't even remember it, and that's called dissociation and dissociative amnesia. So I ended up with dissociative amnesia for many years, but during a time where I didn't quite remember. I struggled with your stomach aches, um, seizures. I had seizures for 20 years. Uh, of course, I ended up, you know, addicted to drugs because the doctors had put me on all sorts of drugs. I ended up in psych wards um, and was almost put away, um, like permanently. And it was when I kind of realized my mother passed away at, during the time when I was starting to have these flashbacks happen, uh, and the memories were coming back. And so I went into inpatient treatment and went into recovery from drug addiction, not even remembering the history that I had. Um, and then over the years, uh, I started having flashbacks of being sexually abused as a child, um, because I was also in abusive relationships uh, growing up, and that was um, the original flashbacks I had. But it was after I you know, gave up the drugs and started my journey of recovery that, uh, and I met my husband, where I started feeling my, you know my body and my um, mind felt safe that these memories started coming back of being sexually abused as a child and obviously that was trauma t- like terrible such you know shocking especially after having you know seven years of recovery and thinking you know, I've managed to overcome so much to have this happen but um I took some time off from, from working and worked on myself during that time and really felt like I needed to take the time to seek what God wanted for my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I took time and said, Lord, you know, what, what do you want me to do? Because obviously what I've been doing isn't working. Um, and I really, I, I love being a teacher. I love doing workshops, parent education and, and all of that. I really did love that. But I felt that God wanted something else. And I felt like I had left him out of that choice. And it really just was always a struggle. And so I spent some time, I hired a Christian mentor and spent some time really resting with God and felt that He was calling me to share my story. And one morning, gosh, I don't know, maybe like six years ago, maybe seven years ago, I was praying to the Holy Spirit one morning and He said, you know, get your journal. And I got my journal and I ended up writing down my bridge to breakthroughs coaching program and like the outline of it in like a half an hour. And I just kind of built off of that.
0: Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, um, that you were, you couldn't remember the events that, that the experience of your, of your life that caused you to be uh, traumatized as they say. Mm -hmm. And then you, you mentioned that, um, as you began to feel safe, um, things right. began to begin to have um, memory, or you use the word flashbacks of things that happened to you. Right. How did that feel? I mean, you were you were feeling safe, but now you're revisiting these experiences that actually happened to you earlier. So, how did that feel?
1: Right. Well, it's funny because I think that um, safety is kind of a weird concept that. You know it isn't like necessarily like bear hugs and like warm tea and a a bath and a you know warm blanket and your mommy necessarily Mm -hmm. but i think what what happened was my my body started feeling safe because i was actually in a much safer relationship and i've been with my husband now for 16 years or something i can never remember (laughs) six years anyway um but like what what happens is by the trauma trauma is stored in the body and whatever is it's i think that god did an amazing job of designing our bodies so that whenever something is so horrible we can't either you know there's a way that our body our brain our body represses it and you know when i felt safe and you know which i wasn't it wasn't like a conscious thing like oh now i feel safe but it obviously to have these flashbacks come back And and start realizing. Wait, wait a minute. Obviously, all the issues that I had prior to that particular time, I had attributed to you know being abused sexually and emotionally by my um, ex-husband. But you know, when I look back now, I can see that my trauma started way before that. So I will say, at the time, I was absolutely like just. Dumbfounded, shocked, but also in a very strange way, relieved that there was a reason why I had suffered and struggled for so long in my life from the time I was a child all the way up to my, you know, that particular time period. Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds kind of strange, but it felt like, oh, okay, I'm like, I'm not crazy. I didn't, you know, this makes sense of why I was constantly in, in a state of fight, flight, freeze, or fawn and struggling in my life.
0: Right so you you said that um you said something very interesting you said that trauma is stored in our bodies and um most people think that trauma is stored in the mind yep yep (laughs) and yeah no no and it actually gets um held in your body can you talk about that a little bit or what can we do what can we do about are there things that we can do with our bodies that kind of help um let go of some of the retained trauma Mm
1: -hmm. well it's it's interesting like one of my biggest pet peeves is a lot of this toxic positivity and mindset you know everywhere you go now you hear this tony robbins stuff and the blah blah. you know mindset you know if you just and it literally creates a a dynamic where the, the the abuse survivor feels shamed because he or she is not you know doesn't have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And that is just nonsense. It's just nonsense. So when we talk about trauma being stored in the body, there's actually a book called The Body Keeps the Score by Besser Van Der Kolk. And there's another one by Dr. John Sarno, I forget the name of it. But what happens is the body is basically the memory, stores the memory. So a lot of people who are struggling with immune, like for example, all the years that I was growing up, I struggled with horrible stomach aches. Mm-hmm. I started having seizures. Um, you know, I ended up having back pain that was debilitating to where I basically couldn't walk. And the more I tapped into healing the memories and healing from the trauma, the, the, you know, the, the more and more of those things decreased. Obviously the seizure stopped more than 20 years ago. Um, but one of the things that's really helpful to help trauma survivors do is to get out of their head and get into their body mm-hmm. because when you can when you can learn to be present in your body you can remind yourself you know you get to the place where you do your body your nervous system starts to feel safe and so in, and there are things obviously you can do you know deep breathing um you know wiggling your toes there's um different types of uh somatic like stimulation like bilateral stimulation where you could uh, you know tap and cross your arms and kind of tap your upper arm slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, a, you know, this is part of the reason why um, I think it's really, really crucial to help survivors build an unconditionally loving personal relationship with God. Because learning, your know, God's word says, "Be still and know that I am God." Mm-hmm. You know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's, you know, I'm gonna, and His word offers, you know, provides. He says, you know, I have peace that surpasses all understanding. But do we go and receive that? Like, how do we actually sit with God and receive that? And part of what I really think is helpful, especially um, for for Christians and even, you know, everybody for that matter, is to learn that there's, because there's a lot of new age stuff out there. There's a lot of somatic things we can do to get back in our bodies. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really, really crucial to learn to have a healing relationship with God where, okay, if I feel activated, I sit and maybe I open my eyes or I close my eyes. Sometimes closing your eyes can be traumatizing because the flashbacks might come back. But if they're not, then you close your eyes. Imagine Jesus with you, hug yourself really, really tightly, mm-hmm. and just imagine resting in God's arms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but these, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions people are constantly, constantly focused on their physical and their mental right. and not their spiritual. And so and when I think of body, I think, you know, in a weird way, kind of, you know, I mean, you know, obviously like your temple of the Holy Spirit, but you can't fight trauma with just your mind because the patterns that are created in childhood are what create the thoughts in your head. And they're basically repeating all the old trauma.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it, you really, you know, learning to get back in your body and just learning to be present is very, very powerful. And it's, it's, it's so great because it's super simple. It can be difficult, and you may only be able to be present and breathe and things like that for maybe a couple minutes or a minute. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes.
0: I think one of the things that contributes to a um, holding God at arm's length and not being able to stay in that sacred space for more than a minute, let's say, right. um, with God, is that, that many of us have grown up with a poor image of God to start out with. Um, Amen. <laughs> many, of, many of us see God as some sort of uh, celestial policeman who's just waiting to, right, to right. send us to hell when we mess up. And this oh, is a very, very yeah. unhealthy um, attitude or an image of God to, to hold on to. And it causes us yes. to recoil and to, to stand in resistance to that type of relationship. So that's something that needs to be dismantled as they say yeah and that's
1: that's actually something that i do um in some of in my, my meditation series and things that i offer you know resources that i have is really break down you know help you actually see you know what what is jesus wearing what where do you go what do you do what is, it, you know, what is he saying to you that sounds like a loving father? Go observe, even online if you have to, what a loving your father would, would look like and what you wanted from them. But to really help people experience God as an unconditionally loving father who is always there for us is absolutely 100% crucial to healing, I believe, because it creates the safety as a secondary gain from that.
0: Right, right. I've never... Um... Um, I've never let me put it this way growing up I don't think I really heard that I kind of got right the, I got the God is you know if you mess up you're gonna be in big trouble for the rest of you oh existence.
1: yeah yeah well I grew up as a Catholic and right. you know it was like purgatory and this and that and right. you know it wasn't until I became like charismatic and I actually got the Catholic Church and learned to read my Bible and experience God I, I forget sometimes that people don't know God is a loving, I mean, God loves us so, you think of the parable of the, you know, I have started a meditation on you as the prodigal son and Jesus running, you know, and Father God running towards you going, oh, I am so happy you're here. Like, let me hold you and look at this feast I made. But I think, I, I hope that what I can do with my work is really help people to experience not just know god loves them but to experience
2: mm-hmm.
1: all that he has for them that is so incredibly healing that i know without i would not be alive today i mean i i believe that in my heart and soul without my relationship with god i would not be alive today mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and and so you know and also the the um the idea of of god as being this punisher we we right. have we have this um This thing of shaming ourselves, you know, shame, um, there's a book, there's a book about God's unconditional love and healing our shame that talks about shame, it defines shame as being the feeling that we're unworthy that seeps into everyone's life. And all of us have, all of us have feelings of inadequacy and secretly fear that there's something wrong with us and that we're not smart enough, not successful enough, not rich enough, not interesting enough, not good looking enough, or not good enough to be loved for who we are.
1: Right. Right, yep so well we... that's the thing about yeah it's shame is like it permeates your sense of self it, you know, and I think that's the difference between a like traumatic event where maybe there's a car crash or you've been to war, you know and you have these these experiences that are horrible and traumatic, but growing up repeatedly, Learning subconsciously that you are unloved, you're not worthy of being loved. All of that seeps into how you perceive yourself, and I believe that's why Jesus tells us, you know, God tells us in His Word to, um, you know, lose the old self, so to speak, put on the new self, be renewed, mm-hmm. um, because that's an old, traumatic, not true, inaccurate sense of who you are based on how you were treated, and 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 the healing from trauma especially chronic trauma, like childhood trauma requires, requires not recommends, not maybe it requires building new safe connections, Mm -hmm. but that is the hardest thing for people to do when they've been betrayed and they didn't feel protected or safe. And this is why I think God is the best place to go because you're going to receive unconditional love, peace that surpasses all understanding that is required for healing. Mm
0: -hmm. So, so, um, that would be a good place for us. If someone were listening today and they were, you know, they've, been, they've experienced traumatic um, things, events in their life. And they are currently, um, you know, um, in the state of desolation and despair. And they're, they're right. not on the journey towards healing. You're, you are telling us that a good place to start is to rediscover your image of God. Oh, I would absolutely. And building I, safe I would, connections. You said yeah. building safe connections with. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've got to bring some people into this. Uh, uh, into your relationships. Oh,
1: yeah, certainly, yes, absolutely. I think, you know, there was a time where I was very isolated. You know, I wasn't working anymore. I had my husband. You know, I had my twin sister. And you know, like, but there was no like major. You know, I wasn't connected to a church or anything. And I think that there isn't there is i would definitely say you need obviously safe loving connections i think that's why having a church you know i have a church family now you know it took me years to find to find one um because like i said i I left the catholic church and that was my own story of that but um having safe people that you can connect with you know um a good pastor you know women in your bible study group or you know whoever you know if you're in a, a, a church worship group but having people who can support you and have your share share your same beliefs um, is, really, is really important, but I think it's really important for trauma survivors to find communities where they don't have to explain or defend themselves, where they're easily understood. Um, you know, that's why I have my Facebook group and a membership so that there's this sacred space where we already know how you feel. You don't, you know, you don't have to keep telling us, you don't, you know, you're not gonna re- relive your trauma by retelling your story. But you're creating new connections that feel, you know, where you can feel safe and you can learn the new skills. Um, you know, I always think of healing from trauma like riding a trauma like riding a bike. You know, when you grew up, you were taught to how to ride the bike of life a certain way. It's obviously how it worked, so you have to get to get off that bike and get on a new one, and you know, or get back on that bike and have somebody new help you learn how do you pedal, how do you go along you know, and it's going to feel weird and you're going to feel like you're going to fall off and you might fall down a few times because you're doing something different. But the more you learn, the more you're going to start riding that bike and start experiencing, you know, new, happy, healthy, you know, experiences that are going to help you experience joy.
0: So, you know, I've heard, I've heard from people that, um, that are, have experienced traumatic things in life that sometimes Mm -hmm. in therapy sessions, they are called to revisit those memories. Um, Is there an upside to that or can there be a negative side to that? I mean, you you, you mentioned, I heard you say something like revisiting your trauma by, you know, having to retell the story over and over again. Um, Right. Is there always an upside to that or can can it be potentially, um, you know, harmful? Well,
1: I'll, I'll tell you what my current therapist told me. She told me now there's a there is there is a type of therapy called emdr um, mm-hmm. i think it's eye movement rapid eye movement desensitization something or other um and you know i asked her about that and she this these were her words to me she said gina for you to do emdr would be abusive
2: mm-hmm.
1: not unhelpful not hurtful not, but abusive and i will say that one of the things that I find was one of my biggest, biggest struggles, uh, Reverend Glover, was finding a really, really good trauma-informed therapist. Because everybody out there will say, oh, I'm trauma-informed. I know what I'm doing. I'm a therapist. And you automatically think they know what they're doing. Right. But they're, they're, you know, I'm, I, I don't see, I, I would say, honestly, reliving and retelling the story is re-traumatizing yourself. It's why I don't in my groups, you know, when I do groups, we don't retell our story. We all know why we're here.
2: Right.
1: We're here to learn new ways of living, you know, um and and once you can do that, the old panic kind of passes away. But I would absolutely say that anybody who is having you sit and retell your story like obviously you can sit down and say to your therapist, Hi, you know, I'm Susie. I'm here because you know I was sexually abused as a child. I'm really struggling, blah 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 you know, obviously you need that. But if somebody sends you, tell me what happened with your dad in the bathtub. No, no, it's, 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 it's not necessary. And I would say it's absolutely harmful.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for, for that, um, for voicing that opinion. Um, and again, if there's somebody out there that's, that may be listening to that, it could possibly give them something to think about. So, um, Mm -hmm. I think you should probably tell us how people could, reach out to your your program on either social media or you know so where can they find you
1: right well i'm i'm, I'm on instagram i'm on um youtube and i'm on linkedin and uh, facebook and they can find me um you know i'm at gina rolkowski so that's g-i-n-a-r-o-l-k-o-w-s-k-i um, you can also find uh, find me at on my website, which is www.ginaolkowski.com, and then I'm like I, I we talked about. I'm going to be sharing links to my um, membership and uh, my free meditation series.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when I was looking at, uh, I think it was your Facebook page. You, you mentioned some some things that I thought were very valuable. You start you started um, one of the things you said was that. Let's start by finding the color in your life. Through all the darkness that you've been experienced, just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to challenge you this week to come up with one sentence at the end of each day where you express gratitude for something that gave you joy during the day. So what is the importance of us recognizing that we do have gratitude for something good in life?
1: Right, well, I will say that you know, one of one of my pet peeves, like I said earlier, is that there's this concept of toxic positivity. So I want to just clarify this before I answer that. There's a big difference between kind of sitting down and going, you know, yes, I actually am grateful today that I have food to eat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I'm grateful for a roof over my head. There's a big difference between, you know, cause that's retraining your brain to an extent to kind of focus on something different. However, there's a big difference between you're sitting down and finding something to be grateful for or going for a walk and literally looking at the different shapes of the, of the leaves or the blades of grass, you know, and saying, you know, I'm present here. I'm grateful for this. But there's that's one thing. But I, I, I think it's important to point out, like I said, that there's a there's a concept out there about, you know, always look on the bright side, be positive, blah, 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 nonsense. OK. because i'm going to say what we repress and what we resist persists Mm -hmm. so if we don't if we don't we start using the word and you know i feel really sad today i feel angry that i was abused and I'm also grateful that I have food over, you know, a roof over my head a food to eat. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference, like I said, because it, it does train your brain to start looking on, you know, at, at things you do have that are grateful. But it, take it to the extreme of like, well, I, I'm just not going to look at that side because, you know, like, I'm so grateful. Like, you know, really, like I could have had it worse and, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. That is only going to repress your, your issue even more. And, um, so and, it is important to be grateful, but it's also important to recognize your, your, your other feelings as well.
0: Right. So you know, one of the things that happens also is people recoil or avoid that prayer space because of the image of God, yes, but also because they might feel as though that they have to be on their best behavior in, in the <laughs> presence of God. Yeah. In other words, yeah, they, no. they can't be authentic and transparent and say, God, you know, today I right. don't really feel that well. I feel kind of angry. I feel I'm thinking about some things. You know, they feel as though they have to come into the space and say, oh, I'm blessed, coming and going, Right. <laughs> and everything is fine. Well,
1: I'll tell you my famous favorite answer to that. Why should we be any different than Jesus? Right. I mean, here's Jesus, the son of God, you know, God embodied in man and he's saying to his heavenly father crying with like drops of blood and because he's so afraid and sweating and going why did you abandon me
2: Mm -hmm.
1: okay now did god say knock it off and shut up no Right. right like and I think the other thing that I've learned over the years is to look at the history of who God has chosen. I mean, if you look at, at David in the Bible, he was an adulterer and a murderer. Right. You know, you look at, at, at some of these people, you know, people say Noah was drunk. Like God knows he, he knows you're not perfect. He doesn't ex- He wants you to come and go, I don't know what to do. I can't stop biting my nails or I can't stop drinking or whatever it is. There, you know, it's it was very helpful for me to learn the stories in the Bible that helped me know, oh, wow, like Moses had a stutter. I mean, think about who was it who Elijah or Elijah who ran in the cave and was like, I'm out of here. I've had enough. Like, don't call me anymore. You know, and I think that when I learned those things, I realized, like, you know, if. I mean, God chose the people that He chose to, like, literally have the lineage of Jesus, including Jesus Himself. Were like, I've had enough of this, Right. you know. So, In- uh,
0: you imperfect, know, and- and think about imperfect people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and He, t- you can't come. <laughs> Listen, God sees it all, and He loves you anyway. You know, that's what's the the most peaceful, eye-opening experience you can have. It's like. You know, I go to bed at night, I put my head in the pillow, and I always say, Lord, I come with a humble and repentant heart. Mm-hmm. And I try to think of what what did I do that day that I could repent? And, I, and my next thing is, and Lord, I am so grateful. And I just imagine myself falling in his arms and having him hug me going, I love you anyway. Now, obviously, I, that doesn't mean if you're literally shooting people and you're having trouble that you don't change that behavior. You know, obviously the idea is to lessen in the intensity and frequency of our sins and and misgivings, but it it doesn't stop him from loving us.
0: So if you were, you know, um, again, if somebody's listening and they experienced um, sexual abuse as a young person, Mm -hmm. and they're still holding on to that experience and unable to be free from it, for whatever that means, but unable to get move on, let's say, and and embrace the love of God and all this. What what would be some words for them?
1: Well, I would say, first of all, you're not alone. There's a great deal of um, safety, rest, comfort in knowing that you're not alone. Um, It's such a common experience. It's unbelievable to me how common it really is. It's actually... I meet more people who have experienced sexual childhood sexual trauma than I meet who haven't. Um, and I would say that it's, it's really important to, to get some help. You're, you're not, you're never going to, I always tell people, you're never going to say something to someone who is a counselor, therapist, coach, whoever, that they haven't already heard or haven't experienced themselves. It's part of the reason why I share my own stories of like how I got my needs met before I learned other ways of doing it. Um, you know, because all of a sudden, it takes the sting out of how you may be coping. Um, but I would say it's, it's, it's only going to continue to get worse in your life if you don't make, get, make some space for this now. No matter how hard, you know, you think you're afraid or you're not good enough or whatever, you, you are good enough. And, and it's going to feel scary. And that's okay. Because the more you do it, the more you get help, the more you go and do what you need to do, the less scary and the less frequent and intense these experiences that you have are going to be for, for you um, in you know dealing with childhood trauma.
0: And what about the the people who are currently in abusive relationships to the point of you know um, domestic violence, and somehow right, somehow right. they feel like they can't leave? What what would you say about that?
1: Right. Well, I'll I'll say this much, you know, like I've always, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm not a crisis counselor, you know, that is a, you were, you were finding with anybody who's in a situation like that, it's an immediate crisis. And I would say absolutely, you know, reach out to a, a therapist, um, you know, or a, somebody who maybe is in your church that you feel you can trust. But I think that it's really, really important to find someone that you think you can trust, um, to who can help you get out of that because that's 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 not that is a pattern of behavior I mean I had abusive relationships you know one after the other until I really got the help I needed um to get to get out of that and 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 change that pattern but I would say re- reaching out to anywhere that you can for some support a crisis hotline um you know if there's a um a women's shelter, or um any, any kind of like therapy uh place that does something specific with women who are in crisis or people who are in crisis um i would say do that
0: amen it sounds like uh, good words to me well i think that this is a good place for us to rest and gina i want i want to thank you for coming on and perhaps we can do this again sometime in the meantime sure. I'm, I'm going to um you know, these episodes get posted up and, and it will also be posted on YouTube where they can find your links. Um, they can also visit, and I encourage them to visit the uh, website www.reverendjstuartglover.com where they can see this episode and find your links there as well. So again, you've been listening to Faith. we have been listening to Faith Talk and we pray that uh, God would lead you into a relationship and that you would be led to the appropriate response of receiving God's love and care for you um, on your journey towards healing. Gina, thank you so much for coming in. God bless you. Thank you you
1: for having me. You too.
0: God bless you.
1: God bless you.